All right, rise and shine, liberty loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. This is JC filling in for Chris Ann momentarily. Let me make sure. Uh, let me tighten this up some here. How's that? Whoa, wow, what happened to my focus? Look at that. Look at that scruffy dude. All right. Welcome, everyone. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Chris Ann is out momentarily has she covered mandatory masks by businesses i believe so but i'm have no idea what episode that would be i would have to search uh man is this another crazy day i can't believe it's friday what a week what a week end of the week uh, for lots of people most of the time our week just doesn't stop it just keeps going seven days after seven days after seven days after seven days after seven days so i don't know anybody get a weekend out there do you guys have weekends how many people have weekends do you actually get a day off i mean it's okay that you do it's okay if you get a weekend off that's fine it's like a tradition should i wear this sideways like that um so yeah, weekends are a tradition. So it's okay if you if you have a weekend. Uh, sometimes we do. Sometimes we have a weekend. Most of the time we don't. So this weekend, I think um, I think Saturday we're going to be in Lithia, Florida. If you're uh, if you're there, so we'll be in Lithia. If you want to listen to Chris and she'll be teaching. Um, the location is on the calendar. If you go to chrisannhall.com, I can just pull this up just this easily chrisannhall.com and you'll find the website there if you look uh right at the top above all these pretty little images uh you can find the calendar click on calendar and you will see voila a calendar and if you hover over here for instance here's a date coming up you want to know hey what's chrisann doing really soon and maybe if she'll be in my area or what have you. So hover over um, Saturday, this coming up Saturday, tomorrow, the 12th, and you will see an event uh, in Lithius where she'll be 6.30 p.m. to 9 p.m. Unfortunately, I think it's a paid event, uh, and I believe it's sold out. But uh, just in case a spot opens up, you never know. She's on the Quite Frankly show on Monday doing an interview for those of you who watch uh, Quite Frankly. And then Tuesday, we will be in Miramar Beach doing a presentation, 7 o'clock. Information is there. I don't think that one's sold out. She's got uh, several radio interviews. You know, Chrisanne does a lot of, a lot of radio, uh, so you can hear her. You can hear her more than just uh, just this show so many times. We'll be in Oregon the last week of December. I don't know if we should keep that quiet because uh, you never know about Oregon. They're a lot like a lot like California, and maybe they're trying to lock everything down. Maybe they don't even. In fact, I know we have lots of people that hate when Chrisanne comes to Oregon. But don't forget, go to chrisannhall.com if you hadn't been there. I know some people watch on YouTube and have never 
actually been to the Chris Ann Hall website, um, but you can find a link to Liberty First University, a uh, link to the Daily Journal, which you're listening to now. There's also a link to uh, GodGunsLiberty.com, and then there's a, a link to the Unsung Heroes Project. Getting a facelift for libertyfirstuniversity.com. Don't forget to check that out. If you're not a student at libertyfirstuniversity.com, go there. You can sign up. You can even preview some courses. Um, when we do our refresh here shortly, there'll be a free course for people to take just to test drive it, kick the wheels, and uh, see how it works and see if you want to commit to that. But um, everybody's there, loves the stuff, loves the. Um, uh, loves the material. Liberty First University, very educational, helpful, set you on the right path of defending liberty in the right in the right way with the right information, uh, get you inspired, get you equipped, get you informed, and uh, get you activated. So check out those websites. I'm going to take the hat off because it's bothering me. All right. I need a haircut desperately, but that's the way it is these days. So what's going on? In the world, I wanted to point out a couple of things before we get to, I want to get to the main story of the new constitution that the left wants and their grand, their grand plan and grand ideas. Uh, but first, this happened. This is in Palm Beach. I think uh, this was um, on the 8th. And we had some folks speaking out at their county commissioner meeting remember we talk about plug in local state and local make your voice heard get plugged in there make a change at home before you make a change abroad and uh we have people man that show up to their county commission meeting city council raise cane and uh try to move the ball and um that's a good thing so this happened in palm beach county check this out little feisty liberty warrior uh letting them have it i just want to say that officers you took an oath to protect and defend the constitution nowhere does it say this is your second warning certainly does not say you're now deliberately interfering with the proceedings of the board of county commissioners i'm asking the sheriff's office to remove her mercenaries who did the king's bidding board and you're not to return for 24 hours I don't know if you can hear all that. He's trying to talk, trying to talk over for 24 hours the whole time. This chamber, ma'am. Unfortunately, your time has expired. I just want to say that, officers, you took an oath to protect and defend the Constitution. Nowhere does it say that. This is your second warning. Certainly does not say. I want to remind you, you took an oath to support and defend the Constitution, not enforce these executive orders. Sound like maybe someone who listens to the Chris Ann Hall show. And uh, so, man, she's letting the Palm Beach County Commission have it and informing them what their what their actual responsibilities are. Yeah, I know a lot of, you know, a lot of people criticize yeah, just talking and what does it do, whatever. But, you know, they need to be put on notice. This is just part of it. They need to be put on notice. That needs not 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 only him. Here's the thing about. Here's the thing about persuasion, uh, activism, that sort of thing. It's not always about who you're talking to, right? That's just part of it. But it's also about the people who are listening. This encourages other people, informs other people. And 
there's something about seeing somebody seeing somebody with courage, seeing somebody stand up, somebody that's brave, right? The whole essence, we, we have a word, there's a word called leader, right? That word exists for a reason. It's because there are people that lead, which means implies that the folks who aren't leaders, right? It's human nature, look to another person to get out front, to stand up, to be first, to be vocal, to be courageous. And so it's not always just about that guy. Like, you know, somebody will look, oh, well, he's not going to change his mind. What are they going to do? What does that accomplish? Uh, well, it may just that one person standing may accomplish uh, another 10 people joining her. And then those 11 people may accomplish uh, another 11 people. And then those 22 turn into 44, et cetera, so on and so forth. Uh, so it's not always about the person you're, you're, you've targeted with your comments. Certainly part of it. Certainly our intent. But good for her. Good for her not just sitting by and, you know, whining at home and just going along. I mean, she she took the time to get in her vehicle, drive across the county, go to this place on time, stand up, get her name on uh, the agenda and speak her piece. And then when they didn't like what she had to say, he wanted to cut her off and shut her down, arrest her and throw her out and ban her. From the commission meetings for the next 24 hours. Um, and by the way, as he was, as he was, as he was calling on the cops, uh, what kind of idiotic meaning? All these, all these morons are muzzled sitting in front of their microphone. You can barely understand what they're saying in the first place, and he's he's screaming for the cops to drag this threatening little lady uh, out of the commission chambers. And uh, what happened was they didn't. So the deputies didn't go along with the tyrant. They didn't do his bidding uh, to throw out the subject. The subject is assailing the king. Throw, Take her to the dungeon. You can't talk to me like that. I'm not going to let you talk to you. You need to shut her down. 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 You need to shut her down. Shut her down. Shut her down. And they didn't listen. Uh, maybe they just couldn't understand what the hell he was saying with that thing in your mouth. Get the thing out of your mouth so somebody can even understand what you're freaking saying. What an idiot. The guy's a double idiot, a tyrant and an idiot. These guys are. Just bonkers. So, yes, Chrisanne has let herself go. Chrisanne needs to shave and stop smoking three packs a day. Listen, what it's done to her voice. It's terrible. So, yeah, that happened. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. I had I have the lady's name. I don't know if I'm supposed to, I don't I'm not going to say her last name, but it's Brandy Ann. Good job, Brandy Ann. Brandy Ann is letting them have it. Appreciate your courage. Appreciate your leadership and example of uh shouting down the muzzled morons so this is this is uh this is news today it's interesting i was talking to a friend of mine who um who works in the realm of police accountability and you know his message and his and his former police officer and his message of course is you know not all not all um, police are bad people, but 
bad policing needs to be dealt with. And uh, they, ex they, they expect him to be, because he has that stance of wanting to hold bad persons accountable who just happen to be uh, police or deputies or what have you, uh, they expect him to be, they expect him to just carry the leftist uh, talking points and BLM uh, talking points. And he doesn't. And he, you know, and he was talking about the defund movement. That's, that's not going to, that's not defund doesn't increase accountability is not going to do anything about anyone breaking the rules or not following policy or procedure. It's only going to, it's only going to make things worse. And, um, and, and, and then even in the black communities, when you talk to the um, people in the black community, they're like, no, we don't want to defund, uh, defund these things. We don't want to get rid of police. We just want, you know, we, we want everybody, regardless of their job to follow, you know, to be good people and follow proper procedure. Uh, but you know, the, the other side has um, hijacked the message. And my friend who is in this realm says that just, that just actually makes crime shoot up and, uh, and makes people less, less safe. Because by the way, in most of these cities and they, on top of all that, not only are they going to defund these people out here dealing with, uh, you know, fighting crime, but then they also don't allow you to protect yourself, right? You're going to ban guns and, and all this sort of stuff. So that's the kind of cities they are. So Minneapolis defunding wipes $8 million from the budget. And according to statistics, shootings have doubled. Carjackings are up 331%. Uh, and 160 officers have now quit or uh, taken leave or retired early or retired, not coming back. So, uh, the statistics don't look good for that particular solution of defunding. So that's going on. And apparently that's, uh, that's becoming a, uh, a common theme all across these cities where they're slashing police budgets. And we're not talking about, you know, again, there's so many sort of, there's so many side roads in these discussions when you talk about this because you could talk about the validity validity of police versus uh, sheriff uh, should there only be sheriff just a sheriff for the entire county and not this divide um, and then we're not talking about smart budgeting so when they slash a budget because you could you know you could cut uh, you probably could cut a lot of waste and a lot of money from some of these budgets for various things but we know that's that's not how these budgeters work so that's not that's not going to happen. Uh, and uh, so anyway, not good. Doesn't doesn't seem like the solution that uh, produces solid results. So, again, looking at looking at what are apparently the numbers uh, doesn't doesn't look good. But who knows? You, that's the thing. You never know. You never know about these numbers, do you? I mean, isn't that always the thing? Who who reports the numbers? So, well, it's even it's even sort of eh, what's going on here? But again, as we talked about the four before, what's what's the point? The point collapse collapse the whole system, and then you have the United Nations blue helmets ready to roll.
Uh, if we have such chaos and such violence, and oh my goodness, our system isn't working, bring in the blue helmets, they'll save us. Isn't that, somebody said that was the plan. I just heard that. I'm not endorsing. I'm not saying that's the plan, but seems like I heard that somewhere. So uh, it's always funny. Then this happened. It's always funny when all the sort of uh, chaos is going on and the focus is on the, you know, the election and the lawsuits and the Supreme Court. And as the news cycle is always on its sort of one story focused one trick pony uh theater to watch the bouncing ball pay no attention to the man behind the curtain i always wonder what what's going on what are we missing what did we miss well one thing the government is running out of um how should we say this running out of money the government doesn't have any money it's already run out of money a long time ago they run out of credit i mean i don't even know how do you even say this the government. Uh, so I guess the specific way to say this is the budget deadline was coming to its expiration date and they could not agree. And uh, as the expiration date approaches, then they weren't uh, weren't allegedly allowed to spend any more money. Uh, you know, you wouldn't be able to cut any checks. So. The Senate quickly approved its, uh, and not a budget, by the way, but approved a continuing resolution. I don't want to get into a bunch of boring parliamentary, congressional, financial, blah, blah, blah. But our legislature, our legislature at the Congress, the Senate, they, they don't run on a budget. They're, they they never they don't pass budgets. They don't have a budget. Uh, they pass omnibus bills and continuing resolutions, which are both non-budgets. They're not budgets. So uh, anywhere that you see, let's see, let's look at the article. Do they even use the word budget? After facing a series of delays, the Senate has approved a voice vote by voice vote, a one week temporary funding measure. Don't you don't you love the don't you love the word, the massaging of language, temporary funding measure. But what what exact what is a temporary funding measure? Uh, does that seem like a really big sort of mysterious term you, you you went to the back alley to get a quick loan from guido out of the back of his van what is a temporary funding measure so they're trying to hide the fact from the your average idiot american uh who has no idea that your government has no budget uh has not had a budget uh probably for several decades and uh, you hear terms like omnibus bill. Where are the bill now heads to the president's desk for signature, blah, blah, blah. And Bernie Sanders says he was not going to hold it up. I'm not one of the members of the Senate who shuts down. Right. Does this, does that, keeps people for weekends. I don't do that. OK, good for you. Congratulations. He's such a nice guy. Uh, I don't see uh, I, I don't see the word budget. 
Ah, here we go. Senator Mike Braun of Indiana said he was among the GOP members seeking a vote on his no budget, no pay bill. Okay, so here's a senator trying to actually get a budget. How about we pass a budget since that's the constitutional thing to do? We're going to try something out. Stop gap measure, blah, blah, blah. And here it is. The legislation was passed by a majority in the House of Representatives on Wednesday. When it arrived in the Senate, it was stuck behind dun, 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 the National Defense Authorization Act. Uh, I'm sure everybody in the audience knows about the National Defense Authorization Act. So that is the bill that funds the troops that serves as a Trojan horse most of the time that they shove stuff in that has nothing to do with national defense. And they really love sticking stuff in here that specifically targets your uh, the protections of your inherent rights. So this is the National Defense Authorization Act is where they love to shred the Constitution. This like you, you could nickname the NDAA the shredder. So the shredder came up again. They just passed the shredder once more, the NDAA. Oh, JC, you're anti-American. You're against the troops. You don't support the troops. That's what the uh, that's what your conservative, uh, uninformed conservative idiots uh, kind of think out there. So you hear in the National Defense Authorization Act. Oh, this this is the bill to pay the troops. And so you see, like, the conservatives file out of that room wherever they're programmed, and like robots. This is this is how we fund the troops. This is how we fund the troops. Support NDAA. NDAA is how we fund the troops. This is how we fund the troops. NDAA funds the troops. Do you not support the troops? You have to support the troops. Don't you love America? We have to pass the NDAA to support the troops. If you don't support the troops and pass the NDAA, then our troops will starve to death. They won't have the guns and bullets that they need. So that's kind of the Republican conservative talking point. When the fact of the matter is the deep state Republicans, along with their leftist Democrat uh, teammates, love to use the NDAA to absolutely shred the Constitution because they know that um, love of war is a bipartisan emotion. Americans love war and Americans love the troops. We love the troops. Please take our rights. We love the troops. Yes, please tell me when and where I can have free speech. We love the troops. Yes, sir. Please. Thank you. May I have another? Can you please? Can you please restrict my guns? I love the troops. Can you take my due process rights? I love the troops. So that's the NDAA. So that that's uh, that passed by a vote uh, right here. The defense bill passed by a vote of 84 to 13. Our main point in filibustering the defense authorization bill was to point out that the president should have the prerogative to end a war, not just start wars. Uh, so Rand Paul held it up for a day. Rand Paul likes to, uh, he likes to bring attention during the NDAA, uh, stuff because 
Rand Paul seems one of the few that understand that this is this bill is so often used as a Trojan horse and the warmongering Republicans and warmongering Democrats hide behind the flag and patriotism and love of the troops uh, to destroy your rights. So I know that's just hard for some folks to even. You know, you can't talk, you can't, people can't separate them. Like most people can't separate that, especially, especially conservatives. It, it blows, it blows a fuse because they, the only, like you can only say, I love the troops. And then there can't be anything, you know, if you love the troops, then you must support funding the troops. No, but they hide evil stuff in the funding bill. Uh, I love the troops. No, but, but there's stuff in the bill to pay the troops. They, they, they want to, they want to be able to lock you up without a trial forever uh, 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 I love the troops so you know it's hard it's just it's sometimes hard to talk to people about that topic I I don't know um, no COVID plan McConnell says apparently I don't know but let's here's an update let me give you an update on the Texas the uh, Texas lawsuit in the Supreme Court and the update is uh, that there is no update actually. Uh, basically, the bottom line, the last last I heard, and I'll give you a little place you can go and follow. Uh, one I like to follow is SCOTUS blog. So if you're on Twitter or somewhere, you, but you can go to SCOTUSblog.com uh, or you can follow them on Twitter. Uh, and the so the latest. Not that tweet. We'll talk about that in a second. But the latest that I've seen on their Supreme Court reporter says busy times at SCOTUS, which says it may announce opinions on Monday, December 14th at 10 p.m. So it looks like we will hear something about the uh, Texas case decision, the Texas lawsuit decision on on Monday. Now, just in case you don't need to wait for the Supreme Court, all you need is Jeb Bush. Jeb Bush has declared that the lawsuits, lawsuit, Texas lawsuit is crazy. So uh, he says it will be killed on arrival. Why are smart people advancing this notion? Let it go. The election is over. So. Just in case you don't want to wait for the Supreme Court, Jeb Bush has issued his decree. So there you go. That's the update on the Texas lawsuit. I'm I so I'm not going to. I mean, what more can we say about that? Although I do want to talk about this. Speaking of SCOTUS blog, because there's some hacks at SCOTUS blog, but but they're they're right there in there. They're right in there at the Supreme Court, you know, and tracking it. So when you want, you know, somewhat timely stuff and you know what's going on right away, there, there, you know, it's a good, uh, a good thing to track. But there's some hacks there. And um, these people who can't, they can't, again, like, I guess I, like I wigged out on the last episode, they can't separate their anti-Trump um, bent from their principles if they have any and so here's here's this guy if you look at the scotus blog tweet the actual top tweet is we haven't issued a um what did they call it a, an opinion piece uh uh an op-ed in i don't know however many years 
and and it's this one. So Tom Goldstein says, this is a Harvard, Harvard law professor. He says, don't just deny Texas original action, decimate it, destroy it. So he wants he wants the Supreme Court to send a message. And uh, here is, let's let's go to uh, blah, 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 blah. Third paragraph. This is sort of the heart of it, which is which is the thing again is what Chris Ann was talking about. The justice's decision, he says, whether to do that, that is just slam it down and say why and, and rip, rip everybody a new one uh, for this extraordinary, dangerous moment for our democracy. President Donald Trump, other supportive Republicans and aligned commentators have firmly convinced many tens of millions of people that the 2020 presidential election was stolen. If that view continues to take hold, it threatens not only our national politics for the next four years, but the public's basic faith in elections of all types that are the foundations of our society. Uh, he says every once in a long while, the court needs to invest some of its accumulated capital in issuing judgments that are not only legally right, but also respond to imminent tangible threats to the nation. That is particularly appropriate when, as here, the court finds itself being used as a tool to actively undermine faith in our democratic institutions, including by the member of the court's bar on whom the justices depend to act more responsibly. So notice how he notice how he frames it. So he talks about uh, that. The public's view that the electoral process is not secure. This is going to undermine faith in our elections and the foundations of our society. And then the court needs to make its decision based on, you know, that potential damage. A couple of things he gets wrong here. One, that's not an illegal analysis of the lawsuit. Uh, right. So you're talking about undermining the faith. OK, so the basis of your the basis of a legal judgment can't mean, you know what, I think I think I need to decide this case a certain way, because if I go one way, then it's really going to bother people. It's really going to upset people. It's really going to be upsetting. OK, the facts are the facts. Again, that's what they have to. That's you know, what a court looking at facts have to decide on. And in this case, a court looking at the law. So here's the thing. It's about the particular states not following the state law. We explained this on yesterday's show. Go back and listen to that, that, that you, if you don't understand, but the particular states did not follow the constitution well, actually, they did follow the Constitution in the sense that they passed laws saying how the election should be conducted. Then executives and judges, contrary to the state law, made changes to how the election is conducted. Texas is saying, hey, that's what they did. They're required by the Constitution not to not do that. We all collectively, as states, elect the president. We're a part of this contract, so this needs to be reconciled. That's essentially the argument, right? So either those states did or didn't follow state law. That's the question. 
And by the way, it's clear that they didn't. It's they 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 violated that. I mean, that's that's really beyond, honestly, if you look at what happened, that's actually without question. They simply didn't. The only question now is whether the Supreme Court justices are going to take this view where they look at, well, this could be tremendously disruptive. And, you know, give the appearance of manipulation of the election. Well, listen, if those states violated the law in order to conduct the election, isn't that, in fact, the action that should be blamed for undermining the election? Not the, not the Supreme Court's potential decision saying, yes, in fact, that's not lawful. Why is it that their correct legal decision on that would be, right? Because by the way, this, this, he already pre-assumes an outcome. It has to be, it has to, it has to say no problems with the election. Joe Biden won, Trump lost. Like that's the only acceptable decision for this, this writer. He makes no legal analysis whatsoever. Uh, but just says they have to rule this way. If they rule that way, it'll undermine everyone's confidence. It seems to me that illegally unconstitutionally changing the laws outside of the state legislature who has who who is the only body that has the power to change election law that being done is what has under what potentially has undermined the election so just a just a really absurd um line of reasoning it's it's bizarre so hacks everywhere and uh it, you know and it's funny you go back to the you look at uh tom's little bio and talks about how he does he you know he's not he has no ideology and then you go down to all of the articles that he's written and you track through that and you find this consistent anti-trump or i don't like trump theme uh, okay yeah you, you have no ideology it's just terrible so many people in so many positions that that cannot stay you know right down the line give us sound reasoning based on the law based on principles it, it, either you like trump and you can't do that or you hate trump and you can't do that it, it's it's just crazy it's unbelievable to me how dedication to principle has gone out the window um in this era of Trump, I hate I hate Trump so much I can't think straight. I love Trump so much I can't think straight. It's just it's just bizarre, bizarre to me. And by the way, I by and large I have liked most of uh, most of what President Trump has done. I have a handful of criticisms uh, for sure, but uh, but they are a few, and uh, I think the positive things from my point of view are are many. Um, some of the negatives are significant, but whatever I have likes and dislikes, I have agreements and disagreements, but every single one of those is based on principle, not simply because, Oh, I love, I love that guy. I mean, I love that he's a wrecking ball. I love that he's loud and bombastic, um, in a time when I believe that was necessary. And, uh, if you want to get back to quiet and, and reserved and, uh, methodical, that's fine. Whatever. Um, maybe it's time for that again. I don't know, but he was the, he was the man for the hour in my opinion. Uh, so let's get to, <laughs> I came across this, 
this article. This is what I want to I want to talk about uh, for the next little while and go through this this uh, this craziness. Texas challenge lacks standing. Uh, Sean, you have to listen to yesterday's show. I'm not going to go through that again. So maybe you're new. Maybe you're new here. But um, now if you already made up your mind and you, you're just expressing your 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 opinion. OK, whatever. Uh, but if you actually want to learn uh, whether or not maybe maybe uh, maybe there's another side to that, then I recommend listening to uh, yesterday's show. And uh, then if you think that, you know, if that that explanation is hogwash, that's fine. But I would suggest actually listening to the argument first and then and then you can make up your mind and uh, and say why that Texas has no standing. Uh, so anyway, this is an interesting article comes out of Salon. Uh, and here, here, here's the headline. The U.S. Constitution is hopelessly outdated. It's time to re-envision it. Um, so I was very interested when I saw this. I thought, OK, uh, let's hear why it's why it's. Uh, outdated. They say Americans view the Constitution as a sacred text, uh, even as its flaws are becoming more glaring. So what, what are those flaws? Thank you, Donovan Jewett. George Washington's letter to Brian Fairfax, the crisis has arrived when we must assert our rights or submit to every imposition that can be heaped upon us. We may have arrived again. And that is that is definitely possibly true. So what what are the flaws? Let's let's look at the flaws. It's flawed. And, you know, we have a lot of crises, deep crises. And so let's let's look at uh, this expert analysis of the flaws in the U.S. Constitution. You ready? So. Uh, Number one, the electoral crisis would not have occurred if the presidential winner was based on the popular vote instead of the electoral college. Electoral crisis would not have occurred if the presidential winner was based on the popular vote instead of the electoral college. Now, probably that statement as stated is probably true. There would be no crisis uh, if we elected the president on uh, on the basis of popular vote rather than uh, according to the design of Electoral College, which gives 100 representatives uh, representing the Senate, 100 electors representing the Senate, 435 electors uh, representing um, uh, uh, the call it House of Representatives, uh, and then I think three from the District of Columbia. Uh, but so, yeah, we might we might have avoided that crisis. But the thing is, then you would be ruled, absolutely ruled by the urban centers in America. And they've already told you what they're going to do if they can make that happen. Not going to spend a lot of time on that. Notice notice they had to throw in an institution born of slavery. So we got to put the straw man. Uh, argument in there just to give that emotional impact and slander the pop electoral college system by tying it to slavery. 
Uh, notice that so the rest of them get really ridiculous. The human impact of the pandemic would be less less severe if watch this healthcare, food, housing, and income were deemed inalienable constitutional rights. Healthcare, food, housing, and income. So the new constitution that these uh, two idiots with their foundation we'll talk about want to create guarantees food, guarantees housing, guarantees income, guarantees health care, which, by the way, sounds like a slave plantation. It's interesting that they brought in the issue of slavery. That actually sounds like a slave plantation. So you own all the people and therefore you have to take care of them. Uh, like they were your property. You imagine that. So they want they want they want uh, all of you out there who are productive to uh, to ensure that. Well, not to ensure, but they want to take your money to buy food for everybody to make sure everybody has food. They want to take your money to buy everybody a house. Uh, they want to give everybody a paycheck, take your money to make sure they have a basic uh, what do they call that? Sort of the basic uh, minimum income, universal minimum income, uh, and, and, and the guaranteed healthcare that we've been working on. Now it's fascinating. I was, I was, uh, I taught at River University. Day River School of Government was teaching socialism under the microscope course, and um, we we looked a little bit. We talked a little bit about the Pareto um, uh, distribution. Jordan Peterson, you, Dr. Jordan Peterson, you can go look at that. He talks about that, and you see the. You see the curve of productivity where that, you know, something like 10 percent of the population is productive uh, and the rest are not. And the 10 10 percent end up producing, uh, you know, most of the things and what have you and just a natural distribution. And the socialist looks so it goes like this. So it's not a normal bell curve. It's like this. And so you end up with most of the people over here uh, having right less and then a few people over here having more. The socialist wants wants to level that, right? So want to level that thing. So what happened, I mean, inherent in that is lowering the upper level of uh, of wealth, right? Uh, lowering that level of production, right? So it's an, it, socialism is an equality of, of poverty. And so then you're taking, you're continuing to take from uh, from that, from the producers to spread this out. As that system continues, Right. You continue to take, continue to take. So you've drawn down that level of earning. It's going to continue to go down, 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 down until you run out of money to take because you because you can't keep expanding and investing and earning. If you continue to take the money away from over here and level that out until it totally uh, collapses. So that's what they want. That's the kind of constitution they want is pure Marxist uh, garbage. And by the way, so uh, uh, but the thing is, the. The Constitution is is flawed. Right. And this is tied to the pandemic. So the fact the fact that the Constitution I, I'm trying I was trying to follow the logic, the fact that the Constitution doesn't give free health care, food, housing and income. Uh, determines whether a virus makes someone sick. And how many get sick. I don't know. I can't I can't quite make I can't quite make the connection there. Uh, notice this declining public trust in government 
political situation caused by candidates being more beholden to wealthy funders than voters is due to the Supreme Court ruling that political money in elections is a First Amendment protected speech. Um, again, we're talking about flaws in the Constitution. All right. That's nowhere in the Constitution. That has nothing to do with the Constitution. So I don't know what, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't see where, ah, excuse me, how is that a flaw? How is that a flaw in the Constitution in that uh, uh, candidates are beholden to money? Mm, I think that has to do with ethics, morality, human nature. Human nature. I mean, you seriously. So you look at who is the guy? Jesse Jackson Jr. Was that the guy hiding hiding kickbacks in his freezer? Right? I I I'm I could be mistaken. I don't want to slander, I don't want to slander uh someone unjustly. I'm going off of memory. Somebody help me out. Jesse Jackson Jr. Cash in freezer. Was that him? Uh, former congressman pleads guilty uh, to conspiring to defraud campaign of more than 750000 He and his wife used campaign funds for a wide range of personal expenses. Sandra Stephen Jackson pleads guilty to Texas charge. Um Range personal items expensive, including jewelry for capes, parkas, high-end electronics, celebrity memorabilia. I'm, I'm reading from the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office summary of the case uh, in the U U.S. Attorney D.C. Uh, Jackson residence, uh, blah blah blah. So here, here, here's all this, uh, all this embezzlement and um, misuse of funds. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And so the the smart guys here <clears throat> in this article are suggesting that the reason Jesse Jackson Jr. stole all this money is because the Constitution didn't tell him he couldn't. If it weren't for the silence. Of the Constitution, Jesse Jackson Jr. would not have stolen three quarters of a million dollars. Okay, so interesting hypothetical, but once again, there's nothing in the Constitution that told Mr. Jesse Jackson Jr. that stealing seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, being beholden more to the money than the voters. Nobody, no, nowhere in the Constitution said, "Hey, Mr. Jackson, hey, Jr." It's okay if you rob your donors. That's just fine. That's Article 27, Section 3.5 of the U.S. Constitution that says you can rob your donors. If it wasn't for that pesky, outdated, and flawed Constitution, Jesse Jackson Jr. would be an upstanding young man. Okay, next. Uh... Here we, here we are again about this uh, uh, corporate, corporate influence in federal politics 
includes disproportionate receipts of CARES Act funds by large corporations. Rules let corporations get away with not having to list toxic chemicals on food labels would have been impossible if the courts didn't grant multiple constitutional rights over decades to corporate entities. Again, it's not the Constitution. It's the courts. And I would say more clearly, the court's not following the Constitution. The Constitution is not your problem here. It's people not following the Constitution, the people not following constitutional principles. What else do we have? The social justice crisis of ongoing police brutality against people of color and mistreatment of immigrants on our border would not have happened. <laughs> I have a hard time getting to this. Is, this is my favorite, actually. Would not have happened, get this, would not have happened if we the people, if the we the people line in the Constitution actually included all people. Stop resisting. Stop resisting. Why are you hitting me, sir? Why are you beating on me, sir? All I did was jaywalk. Because the Constitution says we the people. If it said we all the people, I would not be bashing your face in. Really? So uh, racial injustice, police brutality, uh, what do you call that? What do you call that when you hate foreigners? Um, what's the word? I forget. So mistreating immigrants is all because the Constitution says we the people. Instead of saying we all the people, that is brilliant. That is brilliant. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Xenophobic. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. Xenophobia. Can you imagine? The. Simplicity. I mean, the simplicity of that solution. Can you imagine how how easy, um, brief Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s efforts would have been? I mean, why did he not think of this? All you had to do. And, and apparently all you still have to do. I mean, why are we having all of these interviews and discussions and activist organizations and and and. <laughs> My goodness, all we have to do is make the Constitution in the preamble, by the way, not, not even actually in the constitutional body, in the preamble. Change the words, we the people, to we all of the people. And racism, police brutality, xenophobia, all, all of the hatred in the heart of man vanishes, they say. Unbelievable. So. Ampleforth, you're you're confused. This this is their recipe. This is their recipe for a new constitution. That's not confusing, is it? Uh, here's another flaw they say in the constitution. The flaw in the constitution: Supreme Court nomination of Amy Coney Barrett would have been less contentious if the Supreme Court justices weren't constitutionally appointed for life and had not granted themselves uh, the ultimate power of judicial review to review any legislative or executive action. So. Again, neither of those things are part of the Constitution. None of neither of those are in the Constitution. Supreme Court justices are appointed on terms of good behavior, 
they don't serve for life no matter what they do. Um, they serve for life because we don't do anything about their bad behavior. That's why they end up serving for life. And the ultimate power of judicial review, that's also not in the Constitution. And even as the statement says, they gave themselves that power. Uh, it didn't come from the Constitution. Listen to this. And the fires, floods, hurricanes, and other increasingly destructive impact of human-caused climate change would have been far less severe if our Constitution affirmed, I don't even know what this means, basic rights to nature. So they, in the new Constitution, they want nature to have rights. Nature has rights. There's some breaking news. Can I hop in? Just astounding. Let me, let me point this out real quick. Come on, grab a seat. Um, so who are these people? Just for your edification, um, this is Greg Coleridge and Jessica Munger of Democracy Unlimited. Uh, Democracy Unlimited of Humboldt County, specifically. You try to go to their website. They don't have a website. It's not working. Uh, they're out of Sacramento. It's fascinating. I pulled up the tax records of uh, Democracy Unlimited since 2014. These idiots, this brain trust, has uh, has 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 gotten almost a million dollars. They've raised almost a million dollars, and uh, and that's just sad. Giving that much money to people who are that stupid chris ann is in the studio she just she just showed up i heard the wheels screech <laughs> in the uh in the driveway and i thought what is going on and then some then there was a sound of somebody kicking the front door open and running down the hall and she burst into the studio and says she has breaking news so the supreme court has denied texas motion for leave to file a bill of complaint uh, due to, are you ready? Lack of standing. Lack of there standing. Lack of standing. Article three of the Constitution, Texas has not demonstrated a judicially cognizable interest in the manner which another state conducts its elections. All other pending motions are dismissed as moot. Statement of Justice Alito, with whom Justice Thomas joins. In my view, we do not have discretion to deny the filing of a bill of complaint in a case that falls within our original jurisdiction. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I would grant the motion to file the bill of complaint, but would not grant other relief. And I express no view on any other issue. So Alito and Thomas join in a uh, dissent in the dismissing of the case due to lack of standing. So Alito and Justice uh, Thomas, am I on? Sorry, we just came in in like the last second. So You're there. Alito and Thomas make their statement dissenting. Uh, this is the entire opinion right there. Uh, it's not really big. It's literally, and that's the proper use of the word, literally uh, two paragraphs. Mm -hmm. And it's just one of those things, guys, where I told you from the beginning that the Supreme Court would find a way to wiggle out because they do not want to be the ones that make the decision 
on a controversial election. Mm -hmm. And not only that, I also told you that they would have to deny on standing because that's the only reason they can deny an issue of original jurisdiction. So there you go. Benefits so you were, for listening to Chris Ann Hall. You were correct from day one. So many, many shows, many episodes ago, when, when all this first started, um, scoot up. You're kind of out of the camera uh, focus if you can. Kinda get up. Um, it doesn't work that well when I pop so in you, late. you said, I, I asked you many episodes ago, um, because I, I, I asked you, what do you think is the most, not the correct outcome, but what do you think is the most likely outcome? The most likely outcome. Now, and, uh, I told you guys, this is, this is absolutely the, the most constitutional lawsuit I've seen in this whole thing. Right. And, and the denial based on lack of standing, I'll tell you exactly why it happened. Because states' rights and federalism is dead in America. Because we don't teach, for number one, we don't teach the purpose of the president as a representative of the states. Number two, we don't teach, believe me, in, con in, in law school, we don't even teach the contract aspect of the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a contract with someone, and those people that you're in the contract with violate that contract, you absolutely have standing to challenge that. And so the problem becomes the fact that we don't teach this stuff properly. And number two, the people don't know it either. And so somebody said, do you think they just took your advice, Chris? Ann? You know, the day the Supreme Court actually listens to Chris Ann, I don't know. Like I said, Jesus will have returned. I don't even know. But um, here's here's the real issue. The Supreme Court is a body of cowards who are controlled by political policies, avarice and greed. They're not controlled by the Constitution. So, again, uh, the court denied their position, mm -hmm. stating lack of standing. Right. You you said uh, constitutionally. Constitutionally. They have no. You said ex actually exactly what Alito and Thomas said. You, right. You said the court has no discretion to dismiss it. Uh, the They have original jurisdiction over state versus state. Uh, disputes and therefore Texas has standing. Yes. Uh, not to mention what we talked about on the last show as being parties to the contract, the Constitution, right, and the other states violating that contract by not by by violating state law in in the manner of elections. So, so this is says, a, this is a wrong decision, correct? Right. That is correct. It is a wrong decision. They said Texas has not demonstrated a judicially cognizable interest in the manner in which another state conducts its election. That is absolutely a false statement by this court. Mm -hmm. An absolute false statement statement by this court. Texas, by the very nature of being in the contract with these other states, being in the position that this Apps, this follows the Constitution. 
the Constitution declares that the president is a representative of the states and the states select the president. How a state selects a president is directly uh, does directly uh, uh, interest all the other states, especially. Especially when those states do not follow the law. You see, that would be a true statement that Texas does not have an interest in the manner in which another state conducts its elections. Right. Mm -hmm. That would be a true statement. Except for the fact these states are not following their laws as Article 2 requires them to follow the laws. So there you have it. Mm -hmm. So they have, constitutionally speaking, they have uh, standing. Constitutionally speaking, they have damages. Constitutionally speaking, they have an interest based on the contractual relationship. And I agree with Thomas and Alito that... There is absolutely no reason to deny this case at this point. They haven't even heard the facts of the case. There's been no arguments here. Mm -hmm. They have no grounds to deny this case. So what is the remedy? Again, don't mean to repeat myself, but the remedy, as it always is, is state and local. You've got to fix this at the state level. And it's also, JC, if I can just drop in here, because I know it's Friday and we got to get off. But what what we have to understand here, we've had bad presidents before. We've had bad issues before. We don't have to worry about this. I mean, this is not the end of the world. We have time to fix this. All right. Got to go, guys. We'll talk about that next time. See ya.